Hi everyone, this is Danny. And this is Sharissa, ready to bring you Looking Up. Starting right after this song. In the wrong direction, headed for deception, feeling the tug of the world at my heart. But I'll not be deceived, you see, by what the world has to offer me. Sorrow and worry by faith I'll not impart. Sorrow looks back, but I see joy ahead. Worry looks around, but I see peace. By the Lord's correction Looking not to the left or the right But looking above My faith I'll not retrieve You see, for His unseen hand is leading me When things start looking down I start looking up Sorrow looks back But I see joy ahead Glory looks around But I see peace Welcome to another exciting Looking Up show on this beautiful sunny afternoon here in July. It's July 12th. Can't believe it, Shell. We are well and truly into the second half of the year. So my name is Danny and I am today joined with my next door neighbour, believe it or not. My next door neighbour. I've dragged the guy in here and I want to welcome to our Looking Up Faith FM show for the very first time and the very first time on radio, my good friend, Brett. Welcome. How's it going? Oh, I'm praising the Lord. Shell, there should have been some, some, some sound effects. Some sort of fanfare. Some Sorry. fanfare, fanfare. fanfare. Yeah, there we go, there we go, there we go, there we go, there we go. Fantastic. And uh, we've got Brett here today. 
And Brett is going to share his testimony today, and it is an incredible testimony. I'm looking forward to hearing it. I've heard little bits and pieces of it uh, when I bumped into him not so long ago, and he shared with me a little of his testimony. I'm like, we have to hear the whole deal. We've got to go the whole hog on this. It's just so incredible, and you'll be thoroughly blessed. So if you've got any friends, or even if you've got any enemies, Give them a call, send them a message, tell them to be tuning in right now. And um, if you're listening to this at a later time on a podcast, as some of you do, I hope and pray that you um, are being blessed as 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 we go through this program. So, Shell, I want to welcome you as well. It's great to have Shell in the driver's seat. Hey, thank you. Good to be here. I got a one-year-old grandson now. He t- turned one yesterday. So oh, exciting. how exciting. Yeah. How exciting. A big day in the Southwell house. Oh, <laughs> uh, how exciting. Not as ex- uh, a lot more exciting than me turning 52 last week <laughs> or the week before. Actually. No, it was last week. <laughs> oh, boy. When you pass the 50s, you actually forget a whole bunch of things. <laughs> I have less than one month to get to that point, I guess. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. After f- they say life begins at 50, and I'm like, yeah, life downhill begins at 50. I'm telling my eyesight <laughs> starts to go, my brain starts to go. Fortunately, my wife is still hanging around. <laughs> That's a good thing. Anyway, um, we've got our good friends, Sharissa and Justin and Judah. They're in the States at the moment, the land of the free and the home of the very brave. Shell, you know what it's like being there. Yeah, I'm heading there in uh, like uh, the end of August. Yeah. I'll be here Only the well. brave people go to the United States right now. Only yes. the brave people. <laughs> so, breach, best of luck. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, we hope and pray that they're doing really well there and having a great time. Well, folk, we are going to have a fantastic time here today. And um, we're now going to go to a song from Linda Rand, God on the Mountain. This is one of my favorite songs, God on the Mountain. Enjoy. Life is easy when you're up on the mountain and you've got peace of mind like you've never known. Things change when you're down in the valley. Don't lose faith, for you're never alone. For the God on the Trials and temptations 
where your faith is really put to the test. For the God on the That's God on the Mountain, one of my favorite songs, because when I was going through a bit of a rough patch, that song certainly encouraged me a great deal. I'd listen to that song over and over again, and it was just wonderful to know that the same God that is with you when you're on the top of the mountain, when things are going well, when the sun is shining and the birds are singing sweetly, is the same God that is with you when you are down in the dark valley. Now, I don't know if you've been in that dark valley, Brett. We're going to find out all about that today. We will. My favourite psalm, Psalm 23. Yeah. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, the Lord's yeah. with us. Yeah, that's a, that's a great psalm. I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff. They, they comfort me, yeah. And so, folk, today we have a very special program. We're going to be dealing with some um, news items in connection with Bible prophecy, as always, because it's called the Looking Up Show for a reason called The Looking Up Show because Jesus said in Luke 21, 28, when you see all these things come to pass, speaking of the signs of his coming, look up. Don't look down. Look up because your redemption is drawing near. So we'll be dealing with um, some some news headlines. We'll be dealing, racing through them because we don't want to spend a lot of time on that. We want to spend the bulk of our time listening to and being blessed by Brett's testimony. So he's got that, that, that's going to be featuring after our news time. So just to give you a heads up in case you still need to get those phone calls made and text messages and Facebook messages to your friends to be tuning in after four o'clock. We're going to be heading to the testimony from Brett. So in the meantime, before we get to some news items, I do want to inform our wonderful audience, those especially that live in or near the Newcastle region, I'll be running um, a Discover Hope seminar, a Discover Hope Bible seminar beginning Friday, July 21 at 6.30 p.m. And it's at the new space, that is NU Space University Building, right there in the heart of Newcastle, 409 Hunter Street. If you want the information, just go to the website where all the information is there, discoverhope.life, discoverhope.life. And so it'll be going for two weeks. I'm looking forward to hanging out with my friends from the Newcastle University, and they're looking to start up a new small group Bible study. They're in the very heart of Newcastle. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that sounds awesome. We definitely need a group right there in the heart of Newcastle to share the good news of the gospel. 
Amen. So, um, yeah, so that's starting Friday week, July 21. So if you're anywhere near the Newcastle area, you want to come along. There's going to be free food, great messages and resources that you're going to enjoy. You're going to meet some great people because that's what it's all about, especially after lockdown. I mean, you know, two years of lockdown, we surely want to be hanging out with real people. That's it. So, um, so anyway, go to the website, discoverhope.life begins, uh, Friday. 6.30 July 21 at the New Space University building right there in the heart of Newcastle, 409 Hunter Street. So that's a little plug on that. Now, let's take a look at what's happening around the world. But before we do that, Brett, do you watch the news? I do. You do watch the news, okay. So you are abreast of some of the craziness that's happening in the world that's telling us that things are wrapping up, that our world is fast coming to its use-by date. 100%. Absolutely. Well, let's take a look at a few things and we're going to be, we're going to be flying through these, um, because there's just so much happening. It's like a tsunami week by week. I mean, I've said this before. I'll say it again. We have more news items in connection with Bible prophecy now in a week than five years ago we had in a month. It's just accelerated. Those labor pains are in, you know, not fifth gear, in sixth gear and beyond. It's just going at a million miles an hour. So let's take a look at a few things that are taking place. This is uh, an item, and I've been interested in on your comments as well, um, Brett. Uh, this is uh, a law that is seeking to uh, make its way through our federal parliament, and it's a law uh, that, that's entitled Combating Misinformation and Disinformation Bill 2023. Now, why are they looking to put this law into, um, you know, into, into place um, here in our country, here in Australia, is, be, is because they're concerned about misinformation and disinformation. Have you heard a little bit about that? I have. This whole idea of misinformation and disinformation. And so the government wants to give ACMA, which is uh, the Australian, uh, where are we here? The Australian... Communications and Media Authority Watchdog wants to give it new powers in order for them to determine what is misinformation and what is disinformation, not only on television, but on social media. It's genuinely a concern. I, I certainly, when I was going through school, we were taught critical thinking and to evaluate information, including false information, and to try to come to the correct conclusion. But there seems to be now a bit of an effort by the government to hold our hands and say, oh, no, this is correct. And historically speaking, that's not usually a good idea. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. And um, so it's, it's really fascinating to me that um, the government now is proposing this bill, this you know, communications legislation amendment combating misinformation and disinformation bill, and who is going to be the one that's going to determine what is misinformation and what is disinformation? Whoever the government appoints. And that's <laughs> so a this is a huge concern. This was a, an interesting um, statement here from the ACL, which are the Australian Christian Lobby. And this is what they have written. This bill is one of the most shocking signals that we are at a crossroads in modern history. This is what they're saying. The bill would empower the media watchdog, that is the Australian Communications and Media Authority, to regulate online platforms against the spread of what they deem to be, and in talking marks, false information. 
And they go on and say, these are critical times and we must remain firm and steadfast because only God defines truth. So God defines truth in his word. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. In John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify them by my word. My word is truth. In Psalm 119, 142, David writes, you know, thy law is truth. God's law is truth. So if the government says that my understanding of the book of Revelation is not truth, it's misinformation and disinformation, and I need to stop or else, hey, that's a problem. It's a problem, and it goes against what Western society was built on. The idea of the marketplace of ideas where we actually get in there and discuss these things to try to figure out what the truth is. We're sort of leaving behind the age of reason for all Mm. of its problems and we're entering the the age of feelings in many Mm. ways where now what we feel is the truth or what we are told is the truth is what we must accept. Mm. And that's not leading us to good places. So feelings trumping facts. That's where we live now. Well, we live in this post-truth world. Um, if I remember correctly, Oxford Dictionary, their word of the year for 2016, if my memory serves me correct, and these days I'm past 50, I've already shared that, so you all have to fact check me, you've got to fact check me, and it's not hard to fact check, just go to Google. But I think 2016, the word of the year for the Oxford Dictionary was post-truth. And so we're living in this post-truth world, like just as you said, Brett, the, the feelings of a person are more important and on a higher level than actual fact. Even scientific fact. Yeah. You know, we talk about that on, on our program all the time. You love history. Uh, that's your background. We're going to talk about that um, when we get to your testimony. But from a historical point of view, wasn't there a time when the church and the state were in the same bed together, in particular there in Western Europe, mm. and the church was determining what was misinformation and what was disinformation? And if you happen to be even carrying a Bible mm. or having part of the scriptures in your home, you were considered to be an enemy of the state. Yeah, correct. I suspect they would call it uh, malinformation, which I don't know if you've heard that one. That's going Explain that. These. Malinformation is information that is factually correct but put in a misleading context. Mm-hmm. So some, that's how the Catholics would have viewed, I think, the Bible. The idea of, well, if you read the Bible in your own language, it's leading you to heresy, mm-hmm. so therefore, no, 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 trust us. Mm-hmm. We've got the right conclusion. Mm-hmm. That's their argument. But historically, that conclusion has led to an awful lot of death for anyone who seeks to challenge it. It hasn't really, certainly their behavior hasn't been indicative of God's kingdom, which they claim to represent. So I I have a lot of concerns with governments doing this today. Mm. Overreach. Yes. Mm. And certainly even in more modern history, um, there's been times in socialist or national socialist governments where there's been the government has controlled what the media says, mm. and very rarely is it factually accurate. Mm. Very rarely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Germany, for example, up until the end of World War II, was saying they were winning on all fronts. Mm. So the government has an agenda. Politicians have an agenda. And yeah. we that's just natural. They've got their views that they want to promote. And so if we allow them to be the arbiters of all truth, inevitably there's going to be some some muddying of the waters there. Yeah, exactly right. So it's very interesting. I'd encourage our listeners, uh, don't take uh, my word for it, but go to the actual Australian government uh, website and there you have um, the statement from the Australian government. They're, they're seeking for feedback from the community, as is the case with, with any law that is proposed. There is um, an opportunity for people to you know, express their, their views. Um, um, concerning the draft of the bill, go there and read it. And as I read it, oh, it's incredible just just to read the way that it's couched. That all sounds good on the surface. However, this can be used in a very very 
destructive way if the government so chooses. And um, and during COVID in particular, I think we were exposed to the government um, shutting down and even social media platforms, our mainline news organisations shutting down an opposite view that did not fit with the narrative. So, you know, that's not so long ago. And so we're, we're well aware of where things are heading. And so I'll look at this from a, from a prophetic point of view. And we know in Bible prophecy, there will be a message at the end of time that will not be very popular. Um, and that will be calling people to make a stand. That will be calling people to make a stand to, to follow God, to be on the side of God. And that will be seen as misinformation, disinformation, and as you have just pointed out, um, that which is harmful to society, and that these individuals um, will be seen on the level on the level of of terrorists. And some people might think I'm a little bit being being a little bit dramatic, but if you read Revelation, you you get that picture very very clearly. So we can see these are all trends heading in that direction. Yeah. Well, if I can make a quick observation. Uh, in Queensland recently, the police commissioner uh, suggested that premillennialism as a belief system was itself an extremist view. Mm, you know, yeah. as if like a religious extremism. So there's already some because of, of our that because that of that targeted. shooting that took place on that property Correct. where I think two police officers and a, and one of the neighbours were shot dead yes. in, in cold blood. Yeah, we we talked about that and um, yeah, and just making those statements really really mm. fascinating. So anyway, um, we'll move on from there, and uh, it's interesting that. Uh, Dmitry Medvedev, who is um, the Deputy Secretary of Russia's Powerful Security Council, um, chaired by President Vladimir Putin, he pointed out that NATO sending more powerful weapons into the Ukraine, which which has just been on the news the last 24, 48 hours. They're meeting for a NATO summit right now there in Europe where our own Prime Minister is part of those meetings. And this was the headline from an ABC News article just today. So this is fresh off the press. Dmitry Medvedev claims NATO's weapons, financial pledges to Ukraine bring World War Three closer. Well, so I'm telling you, there is so much tension, so much tension. And Jesus told us that we could expect wars and rumors of wars and those labor pains will be intensified. But praise the Lord, in case you're getting really stressed out right now, my dear friends, after me sharing that, that God is holding back those winds of strife. Revelation says, Revelation 7 speaks of God holding back the winds of strife. So, yeah. In you know very very challenging times that we live in, and not to mention you know they got the whole climate agenda as well. And Australia signed up to the Climate Club Alliance. Uh, I don't know if you caught that. Um, yeah, uh, our Prime Minister Albanese announced that while he was in Berlin. I've got a picture of him shaking the the hand of the German Chancellor and saying, "Yes, we're on board." And uh, this Climate Club Alliance aims to eliminate carbon uh, by 2050. Well, okay. So, yeah, so anyway, that's, that's interesting because there's the, whole, there's the whole, you know, setting aside one day of the week, which we've talked a lot about on this radio mm-hmm. um, for the sake of the climate, for the environment, um, for families and so on and so forth. So that's, that's really interesting. Oh, boy, where do we go? We've only got a few seconds left. Um, yeah, millions on, on a mortgage cliff as they roll off low-rate home loans and hit a wall of repayment over the next 12 months. So 
it's pretty tough, you know, as people are rolling off their super-duper low interest rates and now moving on to the new interest rate. It's, it's pretty tough, isn't it? Lots of people who need prayer yeah. struggling with these suddenly very oh, expensive... Cost of living. Cost of living has just gone through the roof. And so, yeah, it's really, really challenging. There were so many other things we wanted to talk about, but we're probably not going to have time to do that. We're going to have to leave that for next week, God willing. In the meantime, there is a beautiful song that we're going to listen to right now. And it is from the Ball Brothers. Mercy said no. Just a child when I felt the Savior leading. I was drawn to what I could not understand. And for the cause of Christ, I have spent my days believing. What he'd have me be is who I am. As I've come to see the weaker side of me I realized His grace is what I need When sin demanded justice for my soul Mercy said no I'm not gonna let you go I'm not gonna let you slip away You don't have to be afraid Mercy said no Sin will never take control Life and death stood face to face Darkness trying to steal my heart away Thank you Jesus Mercy said no Sent his son to save us from the cross. He built a bridge to set us free. All oh, but deep within our hearts, there is still a war that rages and makes the sacrifice so hard to see. And as midnight fell on crucifixion day.
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Discover Hope, a seminar to help you find peace in these uncertain times, is coming to Newcastle University. Join presenter Faith FM's own Danny Melenkov for 13 presentations between July 21 and August 5 at the New Space University building on 409 Hunter Street, Newcastle, New South Wales. Lunch or light refreshments are provided for each of these amazing presentations. If you want to discover from the Bible what the future holds and what it has in store for us, come along Call 0425-394-121 for more information. Hey everyone, you're listening to a repeat of our live show, Looking Up. That's right, and if you think this is good, you'll definitely want to tune in on Wednesdays at 3.30 to join us for the live event, because you can actually participate. It's a free giveaway that you can claim, you can text in your questions and prayer requests. Live is so much more fun, so catch you then. Look Looking Up show on this glorious Wednesday afternoon here in the Newcastle region, well, just outside of Newcastle where we are airing this program, July 12, and I hope and pray that you are being blessed today. We've got a very special guest in our studio today for the very first time on radio, certainly the very first time on Faith of Fan. We've got Brett. It's great to, to have you here, mate, and um, you have been weighing in in a solid way already, which is fantastic. So I think you're built for radio. I hope so. Let's, oh, let's give it a go. Absolutely, absolutely. You're doing great. And so we have looked at a few news items. Um, there's a whole heap more, but we're going to put that all on pause, even though we were going to talk a little bit about Taylor Swift. And I know our listeners just want to hear so much about what's going on in her life. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, we'll deal with that next time. There were many tears of all those that couldn't get tickets, Shell. Um, many tears, many prayers that were not answered. People just waiting, waiting, waiting. <laughs> and it never happened. It never happened. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping and gnashing of teeth, indeed. And so, folk, the good news is there is a there is a more important event than the Taylor Swift concerts uh, that are going to take place next year here in Australia, and that is the second coming of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, the good news is you don't have to be in the queue, hoping and praying and biting your nails to get into the kingdom, because there's only so many spots available. The good news is there is room for everyone and all you need to do is accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. Amen. Did you say it's happening next year? <laughs> the second coming of Jesus. Yeah, you said there's a, there's oh, a great no, event no, no, happening no, no, next no, year, no, the second talking, coming of no, Jesus. Oh, no, have mercy, have mercy. I'm glad you clarified. No, I was talking about Taylor Swift coming to Australia next year, and I must have continued the sentence <laughs> yes. into the second coming of Jesus. Hey, it would be great if it turns up next That's year. Right. That'd be great, and um, and who's to know the way the world is going, Brett? Mm. Uh, things are happening so so quickly, and you know the prophetic wheels are turning very rapidly. That yeah, Jesus could come, yeah, at any time. Um, in twelve months, twenty-four months, we don't know. The Bible says mm. no one knows the day or the hour. We can know when it is near, even at the doors. Mm. But the important thing is to have a relationship with Jesus day by day, moment by moment. Yeah, amen. And that's what we're going to be talking about when we talk about when we hear from you and your testimony, because really, Jesus, Jesus will come for me if my life ends today. 
That's it. You know, the day I breathe my last, Jesus has arrived. Mm. And um, whatever that decision was, up until that point, in connection with my relationship with Jesus, that's where it's going to stand forever. Yeah. And so that's why the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Now is the day. It's not about tomorrow. It's not about next week. It's about today. Yeah. If you hear his voice. So, folk, we have a giveaway once again today. We've got a giveaway, and it's a great book, um, a testimony of an individual. And the headline or the title of the book is Reaching the Unreachable, How a Prisoner with Two Life Sentences Serves as a Pastor. So How a Prisoner with Two Life Sentences Serves as a Pastor in a Prison. Reaching the Unreachable, and it's by Martin Scott. So we're going to be giving this book away when we give the code word. So you'll be able to text the code word when we give it at the appropriate time to our Faith FM looking up number 04888. So that's 04888 And if you want to text us, um, if you've got any questions, especially for Brett, who's going to be sharing his testimony in just a little bit, feel free to do that. That's 0488-17624. You can text us any questions that you have, anything that you want him to um, clarify or elaborate on when he shares his text uh, testimony, feel free to do that. So without any further ado, we're going to pray and then we're going to launch into your testimony, Brett. Let's do it. Uh, looking forward to it. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you and praise you for the opportunity to be here today. And we're looking forward to hearing the testimony of Brett right now. So Lord, as he speaks, I pray that you will anoint his lips and anoint our hearts and our minds that we may be ready and willing to hear this incredible message of someone whose life was touched by your power and your grace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So Brett. Apart from your name being Brett, tell us a little bit about your family to begin with. Like, Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, at the moment I'm studying at Avondale. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm studying theology actually. And I've just moved down here this year with my wife, Casey, and my two daughters, Astrid and Stephanie, a three-year-old and a two-year-old. They oh. keep me very busy. So yeah, that's my current family situation. And, fantastic. Um, yeah. Fantastic. And so... You're studying at Avondale University. Is this your first round of tertiary study? Uh, no, it's not. So I've, I've previously studied to be a teacher. So I did seven years of history teaching before moving down here and moving to Newcastle. I don't know if the history teaching is um, linked to the Newcastle thing. Maybe it was, maybe there was an appeal there. But um, yeah, no, just, uh, yes, history teaching. And now I'm studying the Masters of Ministry. So the two-year course. Fantastic, fantastic. So instead of four years, you'll be out of Avondale University in two years with your mm. theology degree. That's it. And pastoring, and pastoring. And I think you shared some exciting news with me just as we were uh, landing here at the studio. I'm not sure if you're able to share yeah. it, where you may be heading in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, well, I've been blessed to receive a sponsorship from the Western Australia Conference. Fantastic. So, so you're going to the other side of Australia. If they call me. It's not a guarantee. No, it's not a guarantee, but... Yeah, it's a good chance. Yeah, it is. Wow. Well, that, 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 that's something to look forward to in a year and a half when you're finished. So um, whereabouts did you grow up? I grew up in, um, on a farm, actually, near the town of Warwick in Queensland, mm-hmm. about 40 minutes away from it. Um, yeah, so a little country area. I would have been the fifth generation on that farm. So what was the name of the town? 
Um, Warwick is the... Oh, the Warwick. Okay, so Warwick, I thought you said like 40 minutes away from Warwick or so. But yeah, well, technically, there's a little town named Allara that's closer, but I thought Warwick okay. might be a, yeah, um, a yeah, better yeah, point yeah. of reference. It was sort of the regional centre for that area. Fantastic. Yeah. So what kind of farming did your family do? A little bit of um, grain and a little bit of cattle work. Okay. So, yeah, we sort of had a... The place is at an area called Victoria Hill, so there was hilly country that we had the cattle on and flat country in the valley that um, was good for crops, so... We're sorghum and wheat and barley and occasionally corn, things like that. Fantastic. And what about um, siblings? Did you did you have the opportunity to grow up with siblings? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I've got a little sister, Erin. Uh, okay. She's uh, four years younger than me. Fantastic. Uh, it's just the two of us. <laughs> okay, lovely. So, um, yeah. so you grew up sort of in a rural, in a rural environment. Um, mm. You must have enjoyed the country. It's very different to the city, of course. Um, I did. I still what, do. <laughs> what, what are some memories from from country living? Oh, man. Um, probably the amount of times I fell off the motorbike trying to master that. That was a good bit of fun. But loved it. You know, it was one of those things that was awesome, just riding the bike around the farm. Uh, still find that sort of thing relaxing when I go and visit. Just hop on the motorbike and go for a bit of a ride. Um, although cattle work was notoriously unfun. That's probably mm. my least favorite memory. You'd be rounding up the cattle and you'd be having them. They'd be heading for the gate. And then the one at the front turns left or right last minute. And you've got to sort of get around them really quickly. And yeah, that was always a bit of a, a, bit of a drama. So, oh, wow. Yeah, a few things like that. Wow. So yeah, lots of lots of fun experiences in the yeah. wide open expanse, you know, of, of the country. So how yeah. have you adjusted to living life like in a... In a in a shoebox <laughs> in oh. suburbia. <laughs> it took a while. I, the first house my wife and I moved into when we got married. Is she from the country as well? By the way, uh, not no. Or is she she's, more of a city girl? She's from Brisbane originally. Okay, yeah. So she she, she lived uh, in the, a country town for a little while, but she's never been on a farm, so to speak. She's mm. always been in a in a city or a town. Um, but yeah, for me, it was a real adjustment. It was um, really difficult, and I remember the first house we moved into. Um, we had one set of neighbours that would um, argue a lot. And mm. I found that really strange, hearing your neighbours arguing, because <laughs> on the farm my neighbours were so far away <laughs> that who knew if they were arguing? You, know? you could barely see their house in the distance. So, um, yeah, and certainly not having the space yeah. uh, in the backyard was different, but it's something I've adjusted to and mm. I've come to enjoy. I enjoy walking around the neighbourhood, running into people, you know, yeah. things like that. Oh, fantastic. So tell us... Um, you grew up in a religious home, not a religious home. Tell us a little bit about your sort of spiritual background. Hmm. I, I would probably call it uh, agnostic. Okay. Uh, my, my family, great people, but they were very um, anti-religion due to some experiences they had. Um, my mum and dad both had some negative experiences with religion in their day. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that um, that gave them a bit of a preconceived idea that religion was bad, especially organised religion. Yeah. And um, they certainly never really uh, raised me with a religious view of the world, though I would say that um, I, I got good country values, so to mm. speak, that I think were informed by at least the religious heritage yep. of, um, of Western society. But, um, yeah, so not really religious as such. I would say quite agnostic. Mm. Okay, okay. So... Um was that the group of people you hung around as well, that your family hang around, hang around very similar sort of minded individuals who are yeah. Yeah, not, you know, not too flash when it comes to, you know, religious, organised religion in particular? Yeah, very much so. The only person I knew uh, really in my life at all who was a regular church attending sort of person was my grandmother on my okay. mum's side. 
she had a big role to play in my in my um, spiritual walk later on. But um, yeah, generally speaking, the the family, friends, and everything, nobody was religious. You know, great people, people I still talk to and get along with very well. But yeah, I, I very much had no religious uh, heritage, so to speak, in my upbringing. Mm. Um, yeah, just sort of the typical, I would say, rural Aussie society. You know? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to you know get into the meat of your of your testimony. But how? Has your family responded? Are they still um, of the same mindset when it comes to organised religion, like your parents, your sister, and how have they responded mm. to where you are right now? I would say their their approach has it's been a bit varied over the years. There's been some um, challenges there at times, but their approach sort of these days is they just don't want to talk about it. Okay, um, so they're happy for you to live your life, but let's, yeah. let's leave that off the table. Pretty much, yeah. It's not their cup of tea. Yeah. Um, my mum, my dad, or my sister. Uh, they just prefer not to engage with that. Yeah, fair enough. more or less where they're at. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to respect, you know, one another and some people just don't want to engage in that kind of conversation and we've got to respect that. There's nothing nothing worse than, um, you know, pounding someone with uh, your religious views, um, Mm. even if you're doing it in a loving and kind way and they are not interested and they've asked you not to. So a lot of people feel that, hey, you know, they need to hear the gospel. They mm. need to hear the gospel. They're not going to be saved unless they hear the gospel and they're going to thank me one day, so I'm going to persist. Yeah. But that's not really the uh, – that that's not the right way forward. Yeah. That's not the right way forward. So anyway. All right. So um, so tell us, so, yeah, how did it all sort of begin for you from this agnostic worldview to, mm. yeah, this journey that God took you on? How did it all begin? Yeah, well, I would say – my main exposure to religion was um, two things. Uh, the first would have been um, simply religious education in the state school I went to. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in those days in Queensland, you had to, um, you didn't have to opt in to religious education. It was sort of the default and you had to opt out. And because my parents weren't really concerned either way, they never opted me out. So I, I had 30 minutes of um, religious exposure in oh, primary wow. school every day. Um, and that taught me some of the basics. Though I, I think I had a very academic interest in it at first. I was sort of like, ah, oh, that's what Christians believe. I never had a personal investment in it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one would be my grandma. Uh, she was uh, a member of the Uniting Church, actually, uh, but she'd been raised as a Catholic and had lived most of her life as a Catholic. Uh, but she was, she was quite religious, and she would often talk to me about religious matters, um, just talk to me about Jesus and mm. what he'd done. Uh, she'd answer all my questions. Um, I used to find it, I remember as a, as a primary school age sort of kid, I used to find the story of Satan fascinating, this guy that fell from heaven who used to be an angel. I used to bombard her with questions about that. Like, why did he fall? Why did that happen? Mm. Um, as I said, just a very academic interest at that point. But she, yeah, she was really um, good at answering my questions and just pointing to Jesus. She had these things around her house, uh, like uh, little plaques and things, very, very Catholic in their imagery, actually, but things I used to appreciate, you know, little pictures of Jesus on the wall and stuff like that. Did your grandmother live close by? So you had the opportunity to, to meet with her on a regular yeah. basis? Well, ironically, uh, it was sort of, I was experiencing a version of Sabbath before I knew what Sabbath was. Uh, okay. Because every Saturday, my mum would go to town to do the shopping. Mm-hmm. And um, I found that if I stayed home on the farm, um, I'd have a whole bunch of jobs to do. And especially in the summer, I tried to avoid those. I was a little bit lazy. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, and um, 
I didn't like shopping very much because mum would take like four hours and look at the clothes forever and it used to drive me nuts. So I'd hang out at Nana's place and she used to let me watch TV and stuff and that was a good deal, you know. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so I'd see Nana every week and I used to spend a fair bit of time just talking to her. Okay. Was Nana on her own or was her hubby around? Um, yeah, her Wait. husband died when I was seven years old. Okay. So I didn't really remember him that well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so mostly on her own by that stage and very much housebound as well because um, I'll probably get into it later, but she was a very heavy smoker mm-hmm. and had some, some health conditions associated with that that left her, yeah, pretty much around the house a lot of the time. But yeah, I used to see her every week, which was pretty awesome. Oh, wow. Praise the Lord for that. So so the two things that, that we've come up come away with thus far is, yeah, the religious education at school mm. and and grandma, the influence of, of grandmas and grandpas. And there are grandmas and grandpas out there listening today. Mm. Continue to, to, to invest your faith into your grandchildren because there's a lot of grandchildren that don't have parents that, that take them to church or will give them a spiritual upbringing in their home. And so grandparents have a huge role to play and it's wonderful mm. that that's certainly the case in your life. Wow, it's been fascinating. We're going to hear more from Brett and his journey after this song. So, Brett, you want to introduce this song and who's singing? Uh, this is Marion Blythe Peppers singing Give Me Jesus. Amen. In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise In the morning when I Give me Jesus Give me Jesus Give me Jesus You may have all this world But give me Jesus
Sorry, I was enjoying the song so much. <laughs> it was a beautiful song from Marion Blythe, Peppers, Give Me Jesus. And um, that's, that's the journey that God took you on yeah. to get to know Jesus. Uh, and so we've discovered from Grandma and from those religious education primary school Mm. Um, experiences, praise the Lord for those uh, teachers that go in there and volunteer their time. You know, yeah. these are just everyday Joes who uh, love the Lord and they want to invest their faith and their love for Jesus and teach Jesus to these young, impressionable minds. And you yeah. were one of those young, impressionable minds. I was. And so. so, yeah, if there are any uh, religious education teachers out there, and New South Wales is one of the you, if not the only state in Australia where it's compulsory for for the schools to provide um, an opportunity for religious instruction. Mm. Uh, that's provided that there are Christians who are willing and able to teach. Yes. So if there isn't, then the school is not obliged to, you know, do you know do their own homework in bringing someone in. But mm. if there are churches that that would like it. Then yeah, we're the only state in Australia, as far as I I, I remember, um, that provides for religious education. So mm. obviously it's an opt in, opt out. Yeah. Uh, parents, you know, they can choose for their children not to be involved in it, but at least it gives the opportunity. And yeah. I believe that door is going to close one of these days. Probably. And um, in the meantime, it's such a good opportunity. Oh, it's a brilliant opportunity. And you know, I mean, your testimony to to the fact that. Yeah, it's such a blessing. Yeah, and even if it doesn't seem to be reaching people at the time, never lose hope because you never know what clicks. Absolutely. You know, when I was going through those RE classes, nothing was really clicking for me at the time, mm. but I remembered it when I needed to, and it yeah. helped me on my yeah, journey. Yeah, that's right, those seeds that are sown. And um, I think of one of my favorite scriptures, which is Proverbs 22, verse 6, and it says, Train up a child in the way that he or she should go, and when he or she is old... He will not depart from it, and mm. a lot of a lot of parents have been like, "Hang on a minute, that doesn't make sense." Like I brought up my child in the ways of the Lord. I did mm. all I could to give them a solid faith foundation in their lives. And look, they've left. They've mm. left the faith. They don't believe in God. They claim to be atheist or whatever, whatever. And someone shared. That someone happens to be Pastor Mark Finley. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Pastor Mark Finley. Anyway, he's a Seventh-day Adventist pastor and evangelist, a great guy. Anyway, on one occasion, he shared with us the intent of that passage um, in the book of Proverbs written by Solomon. And, and the intent is not to give false hope to parents who are disillusioned as to why did my child you know, walk away. I trained him up in the ways of the Lord, and it says that, he or she will not depart from that path, but yet they have, not to give false hope. But the point of that passage is that whatever seeds of faith are sown in your child's heart and mind, that will remain with them forever. Yeah. Until the day they breathe their last, that faith will remain in their DNA. They can choose to act on that faith or they can choose not to act on that faith. Mm. They can turn their back on that faith that they've been brought up in, but that will remain with them forever. And that's what, and that's what you're talking about. That yeah. Those seeds were sown, and, and in time that germinated, and God was able to use those seeds of faith to encourage you on the journey. Yeah, that stuck with me. Absolutely. So tell us, uh, where to from here? So grandma's invested at the school, mm. so where did you go from there? Well, I'd say the defining moment is when uh, Nana died. 
actually. That really changed my life, I think. How old were you then? I was about 13 and a half. Okay. So I was pretty young. Um, but when Nana died, I, my academic interest in the stuff sort of switched because suddenly I'd never really had a death hit me so hard before. Mm. I, was, um, I didn't understand my grandfather's death when, when I was only seven really that much at all. And when my grandmother died, I'd been very close to her. I used to see her all the time. I was devastated. Mm. You know, I didn't know how to reconcile all this grief. And I just had this thought that what if Nana's right? Because if she's right, by my understanding at the time, she's up in heaven right now and she's okay, and she's safe, and she's not gone. And that filled me with hope. I had this, this sense of hope from that. And additionally, um, she'd requested the, the 23rd Psalm be read at her funeral, mm-hmm. and I was asked to read it. Oh, wow. And I, wanted to, I, I read that passage, and it just stuck in my head. I think that was really the changing, the moment everything changed, because the idea of, you know, your rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Um, through all of this stuff I was going through, when I felt like, in a sense, I was going through the valley of the shadow of death, I had this hope that, well, hang on, what if, if, if Nana was right, if she was correct in what she was saying, then she is being looked after by that God right now. And in a sense, as I go through these trials in life, I'm being looked after by that God as mm-hmm. well. So I, I suddenly had this yearning that I, I really hope she's right. I want her to be right. And so the Bible that I, I picked up at um, Nana's house that I read the 23rd Psalm from, it was an old KJV. And as a 13-year-old, I don't think I understood a good chunk of it, but I did my best. Um, I just started reading it. I started reading um, one verse at a time, flipping through the Bible and praying. You did know, you God, start at the beginning in Genesis? I didn't actually at the very be- at the start. I, um, I just prayed to God and said, God, if you're real, show me a verse in here that, um, okay. that means something. And I wish I could remember some of those specific verses, but each time at first... Those verses were really powerful and spoke mm. to me. After a little while, I was like, this isn't really a sensible way to read because <laughs> I'm just relying on random chance. Um, so I started reading from Genesis. I started, I'm like, let's go from the beginning. I'm going to read through this and see what it's all about. Uh, I'd been raised with a distrust of churches, a mm-hmm. bit of an idea that, you know, they're all out for your money. Just stay away from that sort of thing. So I wasn't rushing to go through the doors of a church, so to speak, but I wanted to believe. And um, I used to, I started praying. Uh, to God, I used to pray at first to God and to Nana because I believed that she was up mm. there. I hadn't discovered the truth of the state of the dead yet. Um, and so I used to do that every day. And um, I, I started reading more and more of the Bible. I started really getting into it. In fact, I, I got to 13 chapters a day. That was what I would wow. set aside. Yeah, I would try to read 13 chapters a day. So you're a teenager. You're a 13 year old. I was, yeah. Wow. So I just, I was really into it. I was, I was fascinated from it. Uh, you mentioned earlier history. Mm. Uh, I'd always had an interest in history. I think that had its roots in um, when I was a very young guy playing Age of Empires 2 with my cousins, a computer game that's all about history and armies and soldiers and stuff. Um, yeah, so I started uh, reading the Bible and I was fascinated by the history of it all. You know, I'd read a bit about ancient Egypt and it's like, well, here's Moses leading people out of Egypt. And I, I didn't know about that very much or what I had heard was very brief, you know. So I, I just got really into it. I really loved reading the Bible and my faith started to grow. I, I really started to believe... Uh, in the Bible, and over time, I started. I decided, well, I want to. I want to figure out who's right because I started to figure out that different denominations have different beliefs, right? And um, yeah, I would. All, another thing, actually, I should mention before I go on is that prayers too. My prayers were answered a lot mm. in that that difficult time in my life because I was. Uh, I think God's good that way. When I was very unsure and very new to this thing, um, I was asking Him to 
you know, if you're real God, uh, you know, do this or can you do this? And I would pray the simplest prayers. I remember praying, every, I used to be very into computer games. I remember praying that I could win a match in Warcraft 3 or something like that. And, um, you know, God would make it happen when I couldn't get through this mission or something. And I, I, little prayers like that, things I probably wouldn't pray about now. <laughs> but um, God answered these prayers and it was really incredible. In fact, the only prayer he didn't answer was I used to, I remember reading over um, when I got to Samuel, uh, and kings and all of that stuff. That that section, the story where Saul goes and visits a medium, mm. and he calls the witch up of the Endor. ghost of yes, he yeah. goes and calls up the um the ghost of Samuel. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, that's what he thinks. And um, I I took that at face value, and I thought, if that can happen, maybe I can speak to Nana again. Mm. And I used to pray, God, let me say goodbye to her because she died quite suddenly. Um, she had a bit of a fall, and um, yeah, it was it wasn't very good. So she wasn't really coherent in the last days of her life, and then she passed. So I always wanted to say goodbye to her properly. And I used to pray that God would send her down, and it never happened. And I used to be frustrated about that. That was the one prayer that God wasn't answering. Mm. Of course, later I found out that I think he was protecting me. He was protecting you. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, so he answered that prayer. About where your life could have headed. Correct. Because, because that, you know, that, there would have been forces seeking to abuse that. There life. would have been. So that that prayer brought you to the... What do you call it? You know, when you come to the to the intersection, to the to the T junction, mm. that prayer. If it was, if God allowed the enemy, who would love to have answered that prayer, mm. Satan would love to have answered that prayer. Oh, yeah. That could have led you at that T junction on the opposite direction yeah. to where God wanted you to go in in order to seek truth. But you're a seeker for truth, even though you're 13 years old. Mm. You're a young seeker for truth, and God yeah. is protecting you. He's even. Answering crazy prayers. And so this tells us that God has a thousand ways to reach people, a thousand ways to protect when he needs to protect, mm. and a thousand ways to, you know, almost, almost, uh, wink. The Bible says God winks at our ignorance, almost to allow some things to go through to answer yeah. some prayers that, you know, you wouldn't be praying right now as a mm. mature Christian. But in order to reach you, God has unusual methods that often he adopts in order to reach someone. He does. And often I found looking back on your life, you can often see things that at the time didn't make sense. But looking back, it's like, wow, this is amazing what God was doing for me here. Wow. And that, that prayer with Nana is probably the biggest one in my mm. life because, yeah, as, as we discussed, someone could have made bad use of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, from that point, I... Um, I, I was studying and I decided, well, I want to figure out who's right because I started to become aware of the fact that different Christians have very different interpretations of this book. So I'm like, what are, what are we going to do? How am I going to figure this out? Did that and, confuse um, you a little bit to begin with? There's one Bible, yet there's so many different Christian denominations. It did. It did. And I wanted to believe in which was the right one, you know, mm. and, and I started really seeking, being the history nerd that I was, I started with the older denominations. I thought, well, surely if they've got the historical link, they must be mm-hmm. closer to the truth. Mm-hmm. So I was really interested. I, I dismissed Catholicism immediately, interestingly, um, partially, I think, because Nana walked away from Catholicism and partially because there were some things in there that I, even as a 13-year-old, I didn't see in the Bible, probably the main one being purgatory. Okay, I did not see, like, purgatory just didn't make sense. But I, I flirted with the notion of Eastern Orthodoxy at one point. Uh, I was interested in Anglicanism. The high school I went to at the time, when I was about 13, 14, uh, had an Anglican uh, minister as a chaplain, and she was really good. Uh, she helped me a lot through a lot of my um, struggles with that grief, and she actually gave me a contemporary English version Bible, which was pretty helpful too. So I was able to move on from the KJV and understand <laughs> what I was reading a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I was interested in Anglicanism at one point, and in fact, when I got to 15 years old, 
Um, I remember having to look at my careers and I felt this sense that God wanted me to work for him, to serve him. And I, I remember considering on my careers, maybe I could become an Anglican minister one day. I could go and receive Anglican communion and become an Anglican minister. But So it took me a few years, but when I started really looking into Anglicanism, I, I didn't agree with everything they were saying either. There was a lot of, um, well, Anglicanism is a very broad tent. I won't get into all of it, but they didn't agree on a lot of things even within themselves. And I'm like, well, that, that's a bit confusing. And the history of how Anglicanism started didn't quite appeal to me either. So I, um, I, I kept seeking. And I think where it was a, another major turning point was um, one of my friends at high school. I met a, a friend of mine. Uh, we both liked playing handball. His name was Dean. He's still an Adventist. Um, he was raised in an Adventist family. And uh, yeah, he started challenging me. We started talking a bit about religion and he started challenging me on some of my ideas. And I didn't like being challenged, so I'd go and do my research and try to challenge him back. And we'd have these arguments, debates, I'll call them. They were friendly. Um, and started to study the Bible together. And um, that, that's probably what started to lead me towards Adventism specifically, because I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you what a Seventh-day Adventist was mm. uh, prior to that point. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. So this journey on wanting to find out what was on the other side, mm. where grandmother really was, yeah. uh, was that one of your first Bible studies or one of your first um, <laughs> questions or, or discussions that you had with your friend? It was the first, I would say it's the first Adventist doctrine I became convinced of because mm-hmm. one thing I started to really wrestle with was hell. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand how God, this God loves us and he's protecting us and he's looking after us, but he's going to torture us eternally if we, if we don't believe in him. And I didn't understand that. I didn't mm-hmm. understand what that served. And so I had questions even when I started talking to him. But I suppose I'll get into that after the break. Yes, we will. We will. You've sort of left us on the edge now. We're going to be finding out, um, yeah, what those questions were and, and how you were able to, you know, come to terms with that and the, and the processes that were going in your young, I guess, teenage mind. Mm. Um, very inquisitive teenage mind. So yeah, we're looking forward to, to hearing that when we come back. But we've got a song coming up now. Brett, do you want to introduce it? Yep. It is Glory to His Name by Nathan Tasker. Down at the cross where my Savior died Where for cleansing from sin I cried there to my heart Was the blood applied? I sing
mountain so rich and sweet Cast that poor soul at the Savior's feet Plunge in today Nathan Tasker, beautiful song. What's the song? Uh, it was. Uh, it's not on the screen. It's anymore. not on the Glory screen. Glory to his name. Glory <laughs> to his name. My eyes are getting worse and worse. I could only see Nathan Tasker and I remembered him. He's a lovely young guy, Nathan Tasker. He's, he's away at the moment. He's living in the States, I think, if I remember correctly. Oh, you know him, do you? Yeah, I know Nathan Tasker and his dear wife, Janelle. Have I got the right one? I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Nathan Tasker. Yeah, top guy. I didn't know that he sang. Okay. Yeah, it's quite amazing. There you go. So, um, things you learn on the Faith FM show. Now, folk, you need to be, you need to be connecting with us. We need to hear your comments. I know that you guys are totally absorbed with the testimony of Brett, who is sharing his life journey, his life journey to the cross. And so feel free to send us a message, a question, a comment. If you're enjoying it, 04 that's 04-888-17624. And we're going to give the code word away right now for that book, Reaching the Unreachable, How a Prisoner with Two Life Sentences Serves as a Pastor. So this is a book that you need to get hold of. And so how many of these do we have, We Shell? have 10 copies. We've got 10 copies. Okay. So for the first 10 people to text in the code word, which is LU23, Testify, all one word, L-U-23, testify, that's T-E-S-T-I-F-Y, L-U-23, testify. Text the word to our phone number, 0488817624, and the first 10 listeners will get that wonderful book sent to them in the mail. So that's a book that you want to get hold of. Mm. All right, now back to our testimony. Mm. Um, Brett. We have been blessed thus far. So tell us, this uh, journey on discovering what's on the other side, mm. um, your grandmother's passed away, that has led you down the road of studying the Bible for yourself. Mm. You're now having discussions with your friend there in high school. And one of those discussions, of course, would have been, you know, what happens to a person when they die? They're a Seventh-day Adventist mm. friend that you have. Tell us. What were some of the 
things that you were discussing in that space? Yeah, well, I suppose I already had questions about it in that, um, as I mentioned before, uh, I didn't understand the idea of eternal hell, firstly. And what I forgot to mention is I also didn't see it in Scripture, even when I was studying it myself. Um, I, I didn't see the eternal hell with the devil in charge, sort of poking and prodding people or whatever, like the traditional um, imagery is often depicted as. So I, I just didn't see that in there. So I, I was already having doubts about that. And it was actually, probably by the time I was about 15, it was actually leading to a small crisis of faith. I'm like, well, there seems to be a bit of an inconsistent narrative here. These guys are all saying there's this eternal hell. I can't quite see it in here. I don't understand it. Would a God of love really eternally torture people? Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that ju- like when I asked that question to the, the Anglican chaplain I mentioned, um, she mentioned, well, it's justice. It's not torture, it's justice. But I'm thinking the death penalty, maybe you could consider justice, but eternal torture, that, that kind of goes beyond justice. And especially when the traditional image has the guy that um, is meant to be God's biggest adversary, Satan, being sort of hired to oversee the process. You know, mm. it's, I didn't get it. It was very confusing for me. So, yeah, this mate of, this mate of mine, Dean, um, studied with me and state of the dead was actually one of the first topics we addressed uh, because I'd mentioned that I'd, I'd prayed to my grandmother and um, he thought that was a pretty bad idea for obvious reasons. And um, we studied it out and he convinced me and it wasn't an easy process. I think he was frustrated sometimes by how I would approach things because we would try to throw scriptures at each other in some sense. We'd go and do our research and if I didn't like what he said, I'd go and walk away and I'd come back the next day with some more research that I'd done. Uh, so it, it tested him. He did very well for a guy who was also, you know, he was a year younger than me, actually. He was 14. Wow. So he was, um, he did really well. <laughs> so this is a 14-year-old young Seventh-day Adventist Christian yeah. who, who knows the Bible, is willing to engage in a Bible study. Mm. Um, wow, this is just incredible. Yeah, so he convinced me and... Um, he did so in a way that actually showed what a mercy it was because the whole idea of my Nana being in heaven was the thing that set me on this whole journey. So I was reluctant to let go of that. But when he explained it, it was just such a beautiful image. The idea that we'll actually, we'll all be reunited at Jesus's coming. Mm. You know what I mean? She's not, would it, would it really be heaven for her to be up there watching the suffering of everyone below? It, I certainly don't think I'd like to be in a paradise while my family suffers. Mm. you know, I wouldn't find that to be a paradise. And when when I started to see it that way, the state of the dead, I became convinced. I was like, you know, I'm I'm an annihilationist, as they call it. I I believe that the immortality of the soul is conditional. Um, And ultimately that condition is on the promise of the the death and resurrection of Christ, right? Uh, Ultimately, Jesus died for us, and that immortality is claimed through faith in him. Um. So, yeah, that was a really interesting process, and that started me on the journey towards Adventism. Okay, so there, continue on. So where did that lead? Well, we studied over the next probably three years or so, um, right up until I finished Year 12. Um, We we kept studying. We used to meet up in the school library, and we'd do Bible studies usually once or twice a week, and I really loved it. Um, I just It made me think, and um, I became convinced of more and more things gradually. Um, The Sabbath was probably the next one. Um, though it, it took me a while to see the importance of it. I, I did become convinced, oh, yeah, Saturday's the Sabbath. Um, but probably one of the most profound was prophecy. I think prophecy really engaged me because as a guy with history as a big mm, interest, yeah. um, I went on after high school to become a history teacher. Teacher, I love history. Uh, it just really interested me that the Adventist church had 
views on that stuff because I'd spoken to people who sort of talked about Daniel and Revelation as if it was – I'd spoken to a Presbyterian minister and an Anglican minister, and I, I wouldn't be able to tell you for sure if this is the views of the whole denomination, but in both cases they sort of said – because I, I was really confused when I first read Daniel and Revelation. I was like, this is all a bit crazy at times, the, some of the imagery. Ezekiel as well. I didn't quite get what was going on. And um, they just said, oh, well, some things are a mystery. Some things God has left aside for us for a mystery, and we'll never know what, what they are. Mm. And I, was, I wasn't satisfied with that. I'm like, no, if God's given us his word, he's given it to us for a reason. We're meant to interpret it and understand it. And um, so when I started engaging in Bible studies on prophecy, it really blew my mind. I would say especially Daniel 2. Mm. That, the statue. That, so, what was it about Daniel two? Some of our listeners may be wondering, what is that prophecy in Daniel two that just blew your mind? Well, the one where um, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, receives a dream uh, about a statue. This and, is like two and a half thousand years ago. Yes, yeah, and the statue has the gold head, the silver sort of upper body, um, the bronze uh, midsection, iron legs, and feet that are iron mixed with clay. And um, when my mate went through this study with me. I was really just blown away because I studied, especially the Roman Empire, I always and still do have a major interest in Roman history. And um, I guess the iron mixed with clay really just uh, interested me, I suppose, because the world we live in today has fragments of Rome all around it. Mm. Everything to our legal systems, to our roads, to our building styles. I mean, the White House has Roman-style designs. It does. In the US. Um, so... The, the fragments of Rome, the fact that four nations claimed to be some sort of successor state of Rome until 1917. Um, there's all of this interesting stuff out there. And um, going back through history as well, I, I really saw that it made sense, you know, that these, these empires sort of supplanted each other and reigned as the dominant powers until we hit this point in world history where the big empire had fallen and there was this constant effort to bring back the iron in some sense that never quite stuck <laughs> hence the iron mixed with clay um there was this disunity going forward and that just blew my mind this thing that i'd been told was just a mystery there was a view on and then i started to understand i'd, I'd already been leaning protestant but i started to understand more about the role of the papacy in prophecy mm. and seeing how that played out through history um, and eventually, once we went through these studies, um, my mate Dean suggested I read this book, The Great Controversy. And um, to be honest with you, I sort of put it off for a while. <laughs> I didn't do it for about two years. But when I finally got around to it, uh, I was about 19 years old, and it just absolutely blew my mind because I'd already studied, for example, Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation in an academic sense. I found mm. it very interesting. But I'd never considered the spiritual dimension. I just hadn't thought about it. And seeing that weaved in, it just blew my mind. I was I was seeing that God was not only active, I guess, in the Bible and in the prayers now, but actually you can see God in history and you can see the adversary. You can see Satan in history and this constant battle that's going on, a great controversy, as Ellen White put it. So, so you're reading through the history and you're completely absorbed in the history of it, yes. which is a, a big part of the great controversy, especially those, those first... Yeah. The first third of the book is 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 history. Correct. Um, so, were you able to compare it to to what you already knew? Yes. And you were able to see now the spiritual significance of That's that it. history for the first time. Yeah, and and it really blew my mind because I I considered it as a historical event. I guess there was a disconnect in my mind, even as someone who saw myself as a Christian at that point. Um, I wasn't attending a church by then, but. I saw myself as a Christian. I very much believed I was a Christian. I prayed every night. Um, 
but I just didn't think of it that way. I didn't think that God was involved in the Protestant Reformation. I don't know why I never thought that. Uh, with hindsight, it seems so uh, blatantly obvious, but I just um, hadn't thought about it. And I was amazed. And to see each stage of the French Revolution, that's another one I'd studied in a fair bit of detail. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, how essentially society threw, threw God out the window as much as they could. Um, and what happened there as a result, uh, seeing how there was working there as well. Um, and something I hadn't considered was how people, uh, religious freedom was so important as well uh, in terms of people being able, th- this idea of a remnant, I guess, mm. that was present throughout all of these eras, these people who never gave in to, I guess, like we were talking about in the news segment, an authority telling them, no, this is the right way to think about this topic. This is how you should do it. There were always people who studied the Bible. And, and wanted to live in harmony with the Bible, correct. no matter what the cost. Yes, yeah. and they didn't always have it 100% right, no. but they tried their best. Yeah, and um, They valued the scriptures above life itself. Yes, hmm. yes, and the fact that the Bible itself, just as a book, so many lives were given to get it into our hands. Hmm. You know, And it's something that I think most Christians at times have seen a bit flippantly. You know, it's, This is this thing we read because we're Christians, but... The amount of blood that was shed of good Christian people to get this book into our hands in the first place, it is a precious book. Mm, indeed. And we're so blessed to have it. And so how did you how did you square up reading the Great Controversy? You mentioned the French Revolution, and then reading Revelation chapter 11 that highlights the French Revolution mm. uh, 2,000 years in advance was that a mind-boggling experience? I mean, you mentioned yeah. Daniel 2, you know, a prophecy two and a half thousand years given in mm. advance, and you are seeing that fulfilled through history, and you know your history. And how did, how did the, the French Revolution um, saga and what happened there square up in your mind when you read Revelation chapter 11? Well, it was fascinating. I, I really quickly started to see... Even when I was leaning towards a Protestant sort of view, I didn't quite understand why there was so much infighting between Christians, but I really started to see just how significant the role of the papacy was and what they'd actually what what they've essentially been party to over history. And I guess the French Revolution and at the specific end of that time period with Napoleon ultimately mm. getting rid of the Vatican. Um yeah, it really blew my mind because I guess as we were talking about it first, I was seeing the past play out in prophecy. It's like, well, the Bible predicted the past, but it's like, well, hang on. It's also actually pointing to what's happening next. Mm. It's pointing to stuff, not only to the history, but it's going all the way through. And the Bible's actually giving us a roadmap right back until the second coming, which we don't know the date for, but we know the events that precede it. And thus we're able to be watchful. I, I love the name of the program in terms of looking up. You know, we're able to look up to Christ and be like, you know, praise God for all this that we've been given. Look up because our redemption is drawing near. Yeah, and even though all this stuff can be pretty scary at times, we don't need to be afraid. No. because we know how the story ends. We've we read do. the back of the book. And so you're going through the great controversy and you, you're well aware that this book was not written 50 years ago or 60 years ago or even 20 years ago, that this book was written over a century ago. Mm. And so as you're moving into that section dealing with where we are right now and where things are heading, how did you, how did you feel reading the surreal sections dealing with you know, where we are, where things are going, like especially from chapter 35 onwards, you know, mm. liberty of conscience threatened. And mm. we've seen, we've had a taste of that in the last few years. Yeah. But there's been a lot happening in the last 20, 30 years that you would have been able to join some dots. Yeah. And I, I would say some of that didn't sink in until I actually became an Adventist uh, officially uh, because I, I saw the writing on the wall and I saw that it was going that way. 
But it still seemed like such a long way away because mm. I was thinking in the West we're still enjoying so many freedoms because so much of this stuff that's happening now wasn't happening a decade ago. No, it wasn't. Uh, at least not to the same level. You know, we were seeing um, things like suggestions that gay marriage should be legalised, but it wasn't legalised. But now it's becoming, you know, if you don't use the correct pronouns, you can be arrested in some places. Mm-hmm. And it's... um things have changed rapidly and i think as those changes started to speed up that's when i that's when it started to click with me that oh hang on this is this isn't just jesus is coming soon in a bit of a distant sense but like oh soonish it's soon as in it's it's coming really quickly and we need to be prepared wow so that book the great controversy had a huge impact on your life as you're reading that comparing it, it with scripture comparing it with history mm. and you're watching what's happening before your very eyes and you know that was 10 years ago Ten years ago, life is very different today than it was ten years ago. What we, yeah. what we could only imagine or not even imagine ten years ago is actually happening mm. now before our very eyes. And mm. yeah, it really does tell us that that Jesus is coming soon. He's got the word, and people need to read the book, The Great Controversy. We really need everyone to read that book. And um, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about that later on as we as we land. But we've got a song now coming up before we go to the news and then we're gonna continue this exciting journey. So where are we going with this song? Uh, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus by Jonathan Sales. One of your favorite songs. It is your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his to Faith FM, positively different radio. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, help me stand, I'm tired, I'm weak. And I'm worn Through the storm
You're listening to a repeat of our live show, Looking Up. That's right. And if you think this is good, you'll definitely want to tune in on Wednesdays at 3.30 to join us for the live event because you can actually participate. There's a free giveaway that you can claim. You can text in your questions and prayer requests. Live is so much more fun. So catch you then. We have been journeying with my next-door neighbor, Brett, as he has been expounding on his testimony from, from living a life in a, in a wonderful, loving, kind, agnostic family to faith in Jesus Christ. And what a journey that has been. And mm. praise the Lord for your young friend, Dean, for Grandma, for yeah. those religious education uh, volunteer teachers mm. at your primary school, uh, for that incredible book the great controversy mm. written back in 1911 that was the the updated edition um so over a century ago that speaks to our time and beyond you know and the scriptures and just everything that that came together to to bring you to the point where you are today yeah. um brett so yeah we've been really blessed before we continue uh your testimony we could spend another hour at least but the time <laughs> has just flown by and we've just got uh a few, a few short minutes left for you to sort of uh, wrap up. But before that, uh, we want to give one final opportunity for those who'd like to get hold of the giveaway book, Reaching the Unreachable. And Brett's testimony is evidence that there is no one who is unreachable. Mm. God is able to reach all. And this is an incredible story of how a prisoner with two life sentences serves as a pastor 
in our prison, leading people leading other men to Christ. And so you want to get hold of this book? We've already had three individuals, four individuals um, that have um, put their hand up for this book. So I want to thank uh, those who have commented. Thanks. Great. Uh, Eileen, wonderful to have you on board. And we've also got Vernon and we've got Ben who gives a big smiley. So Ben's really engaged <laughs> with your testimony. Thank you, Ben. And Christina. So feel free to text us on 04 The code word is LU23TESTIFY. That's LU23, the number 23, TESTIFY, all one word. So text that code word to the phone number I've just given and we will get that book to you. Any comments, feel free to do that as well. So far away um, in these last few moments that we have, we need to get you back and back and back to share some more. You're just fantastic on the radio. It's been a real pleasure, a real joy. So let's go now to uh, where you moved in your spiritual direction. You've read through the great controversy and you feel that God is calling you to make a decision for Christ. Yeah. Well, by the time I'd read that, I'd already made a decision to pretty much Adventist theology I agreed with. I think the last thing I had to reconcile with was this sort of ingrained notion that I had growing up that churches were corrupt, stay away from churches. I, I think I had, with hindsight, a quite arrogant view that I can just do it myself. I don't need a church. I don't need a community around me. I can just do it myself. I say it was arrogant because realistically, looking back, a large chunk of my understanding in Scripture grew because I studied with someone else. That's know? right. But in my head, I was pretty convinced that mm. I was I was doing it myself. And um, so that was the last hurdle to cross. And I think I frustrated poor old Dean a few times because he was trying to convince me to come to church. And I was like, no, nah, not going. I was, mm. um, I was pretty stubborn about that. Uh, so after high school, I, I went to university. I started studying education. Um, and I'd gotten to a point at that stage where I was like, I don't need to go to church. I've got a relationship with God. I'm studying the Bible. This is good. But I did notice that when I stopped studying with Dean as regularly, I think my spiritual walk started to go on. I'd say it's first decline. I think we all have spiritual ups and downs in our lives. And I noticed mine then when I sort of stopped studying as regularly. I, it was one thing to read my Bible every day. I still kept doing that. But I wasn't studying it, if you know what I mean. And... um God always has a plan, you know. God, mm, God's indeed. got a way of working things out. And um, by coincidence, in my second year of uni, uh, the woman who became my wife uh, started going to the Cassie. same university. Casey, yeah. Oh, Casey, sorry. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so I sort of, I didn't know her by this point. She went to the same church as Dean. I knew of her. Um, in fact, there's <laughs> a bit of a funny story, I suppose. Dean had actually briefly dated um, oh, wow. Casey's <laughs> younger sister. So... He'd always kind of painted Casey as this bit of a, a fun-killing dragon, if I want to put it uh, bluntly. So I was a bit... Um, I, I didn't really want to meet up with Casey, but she sent me a message saying that we're going to the same university. Um, do you want to meet up? What was she studying? She was studying teaching as well. Okay. So we, I was studying high school teaching. She was um, doing early childhood. And um, I, I was really reluctant. So I sort of said, oh, well, maybe we can meet for 10 minutes before one of my classes. We'll have a quick hello, and then I'd better get to class. You know, I tried to avoid it. But Casey and I just clicked. Uh, we got along very well from the get-go. So we, we started hanging out now and then, and I talked to her about spiritual things as well. And um, that was really helpful. And, um, yeah, long story short, I started. Um, I asked her out about two and a half months after that. And, yeah, we've been, we've been together for over 10 years now, if you count the dating experience. 
Oh wow! Uh, so, and two kids. I was about nineteen. Yeah. <laughs> And, and so um, she had a big, a big influence on on you mm. and where you are today. Yeah, well, she st- she studied with me a bit as well, and most importantly, I think she's the one who convinced me to go to church. Okay, um, it does help when yeah. there is someone that you have connected with yes. in another way, <laughs> other than spiritually. You've got that, you've got that wonderful friendship connection. Yeah. So I had such a fear of churches. I thought they were so corrupt, mm. and I, I was very wary of it. Um, I actually said to her that if she wasn't holding my hand, I probably would have run out the door the first time I walked in. But, um, <laughs> so what was that first church that you darkened the doors? It was Warwick Seventh-day Adventist Church. The Warwick Seventh-day Adventist Church. Wow. Which, um, yeah, I've been a member of. Well, I, I joined that church shortly afterwards and only recently transferred my membership now that mm-hmm. I moved down here. So, um, yeah, wonderful church. And um, I, the people were just so welcoming there. They were so, so welcoming. And um, I, I loved it. I loved listening to a sermon. I loved what. The, the part of church that I think sometimes is undervalued, but that just blew my mind with Sabbath school. Mm, well, you would love that, I can yes. imagine. Yeah, because... Discussion, sharing yeah. ideas. and Yeah, I loved actually getting in there and people would look at a scripture passage and we'd look at it and um, I, I'd think of it a certain way and someone would say, well, this is how they perceive it. And it would blow my mind because I hadn't thought of it that way. Mm. And sometimes just being challenged on your own thinking can be a good idea, as I found out through that whole experience with Dean. Um but yeah, she convinced me to go to walk through the doors of a church, and um, I, I absolutely loved it. And I, I kept going. Um, and yeah, it was it caused some issues at home initially, but then it was fine because I was still living with mum and dad while I was studying. Yep. And they were very like you shouldn't go to churches. But um, hilariously, my dad, who was most opposed, uh, he he changed his tune because my uni grades started improving. <laughs> so he thought if there's wow. a positive correlation, then whatever, you just <laughs> <laughs> stick um, with it. Yeah, and I don't know if there was a correlation, but it worked. And, um, yeah, so I started attending church when I was about 19 years old, and I, I never looked back from that point. I got baptised officially um, January, the th- uh, January the 2nd, actually. Oh, wow. 2016. New Year's resolution, if yeah. ever there was one. <laughs> yeah, so I, I went to the church for about just under two years before I got baptised, and um, I got married the day afterwards, actually. You're kidding. So, yeah, I was baptised, um, married, and started full-time work in the same year. It was pretty awesome. Wow, so you were baptised <laughs> on the Saturday. You got married to, to Casey on the Sunday. Yes. That's that's the same as uh, a friend of mine, Leah, Leah Hodge. <laughs> she I baptised her oh, on yeah. a Saturday, and I was there at her wedding when her mother married her and her yeah. husband on the next day, yeah. Mother's Day, <laughs> a number of years ago now. That's so, awesome. um, wow, that's exciting. So yeah. you were able then to share uh, with folk the value of not just studying the Bible but the importance of being part of a community of faith. Yeah, absolutely. Because now you were, you were involved and you could see the value of why the Bible says, you know, we ought to not, you know, uh, mm. abstain from the assembling of ourselves together and the Bible's yeah. all about community. You know, we don't, we don't serve God mm. as an, as an island. There, there's no lone, there's no lone, lone rangers. Mm. Um, when it comes to disciples of Christ, we, we disciple together in, in community. Yeah. And even having your views challenged sometimes is a good thing. I mean, one of the first things that happened is actually a, a non-Trinitarian person approached me in the church and started telling me all this stuff. And I was, I went to the Bible and studied it out and, um, and I came to a Trinitarian position. But um, it, it's it's interesting sometimes to have your views challenged, mm. and I, I wasn't getting that alone. You know, I was reading the Bible myself, 
because sometimes a, a challenge will convince you of something and, mm. or at least it convinces you to study it a bit deeper and you learn more. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I sort of assumed the Trinity without ever looking into it. Yeah. And when I was forced to look into it, mm. it, it was amazing. You're able to come to your own conclusions based on Scripture. All right, well, now yeah. let's, let's move to... How did you end up coming to Avondale University? <laughs> was was that just a straightforward move? Was there a sign? Was there a dream, a vision? <laughs> How did it all happen? I think that feeling that I had when I was a 15-year-old that I needed to serve God more directly, that when I flirted with the idea of becoming an Anglican mm, priest, yes. that, that sort of stuck with me. And it really came back with a vengeance in 2019, I would say. And um, I, I sort of tried to reason my way out of it because I didn't... So you were teaching for about seven years at this stage? I was. Yeah, I was the history teach. I was the history department at a small school. Okay, area. so I taught history grade seven to twelve. But um, yeah, I started to just really feel this call. I, I can't really describe it another way. Just a, this strong sense that I needed to go in that direction, and I tried to reason my way out of it. But the more I tried to reason my way out of it, the, the stronger that feeling got. Because I, I was that community had always been my life. You know, I mentioned fifth generation. I never wanted to leave the work community. Um, and so that was the big thing that scared me about ministry. It wasn't actually the, the ministry part. It was the leaving my community. Mm. Um, but the feeling just got stronger and stronger. And I would say the big defining moment was um, last year I, I gave in and I said, no, nah, I, I need to follow this call. And I started studying part-time because I couldn't, I couldn't uh, re- rationalize it financially because I had two young kids. Um, my wife was a stay-at-home mum at the time. I was working full-time. I'm just thinking we can't afford to move down there, so I'll just study part-time. And um, I just got this sense with that I was enjoying it. I liked the study, but I felt like I was trying to do two things at once. You know, I was try- not serving two masters exactly, but I wasn't fully committing. Mm. Uh, and because I was trying to study and trying to work, I didn't feel I was doing either with all my might. You know, I wasn't able to dedicate my full, and the Bible says, whatever you do, do mm. it with all your might. Mm. I, I wasn't able to fully dedicate myself to work, and I wasn't able to fully dedicate myself to study because my interests were split. And um, I remember having an argument with my wife about it, actually. And um, I just said, we can't justify it financially. And she said to me, look at this kingdom that I have built. Because I was going on about mm. my provision. and my Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. And I was like, she's right. And so we decided this year to, um, well, the end of last year, we decided let's let's do it. It doesn't make sense, but I'm going to resign from my job. I'm going to move down to Avondale, and we'll see what opportunities arise and how we can do it. And um, it was an experience. We we lived in a tent for about a month because of the rental crisis and our, our low income making it difficult for us to find uh, a rental down here. But God comes through. You know, God always works. And we've been blessed to um, to move in next door to you, Danny. To... I'm not sure if that's a blessing. But anyway, the Lord provided um, a roof over your head. He did. He guided us to a really nice place. Yeah. And um, everything has worked out where I'm able to study full time. Um, my wife's been working part time. Mm. And um, so we've been. I've been looking after the kids a bit more, which has also been a blessing to spend more time with my little girls. Um, the whole thing's been wonderful. So and God has taken care of you. He has. He's that, that, like what I said at the beginning about this 23rd Psalm, you know, this mm. vision of this God that would always care for me, that's been always there. Even in the hard times where it's like when I lived in the tent, to be honest, I wish I could be singing it as well the whole time. But there were times I was like, what, where, where are you in this God? Mm. But as the journey continues, he always reveals himself and he was there and he was supporting me. And in fact, I think I needed that experience to let go of some of my own pride about being the provider. I needed to let go and say, God's the provider. God's mm. got this. And, um, so yeah, God has to summarize, I suppose, God has done this amazing work in my life and I'm Amen. blessed. I'm blessed for that. And I love that I can look back on my life and see even in the periods of time where I was in doubt or there was confusion or there was grief or there was chaos, God was there. 
And looking back, that's what I love about history. It helps us give, it gives us context and perspective to the time we live in now. And I think that's true of our own histories. Mm. All of us have a testimony. Even if we've been raised in the church all of our life, everybody's got a point where they turn to Jesus and you can see God's working in your life. Mm. and that he's done that for a reason. So if God has been there for you in the past, you know that he will continue to be there for the future. Correct. It's an assurance. It's an anchor. Yeah. It's a sure anchor. And uh, and Casey, how is she managing um, with this new life that you guys have with um, your children here in Kurumbong, your studies? Is that all going yeah. well? She's really enjoying it, actually. She's enjoyed going back to work again. <laughs> She's looking forward to being a supportive um, minister's wife? I think so. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, that is just so exciting. And um, yeah, looking forward to hearing a few final thoughts from you, uh, Brett, after this song, which is Introduce It. Uh, It is uh, It Is Well With My Soul by Chris Rice. It is well, it is well with my 
beautiful song it is well with my soul originally written by Horatio Spafford google that story it's mighty powerful we've got a text that's come through here from Marge Margie thank you so much Margie Margie sorry Margie I think I've done it again Margie my humble apologies this is what she's written um uh, Brett she says hi guys I've been working in my kitchen go Margie Thoroughly absorbed in your program. Brett's testimony is very good. I'm amazed that a young teenage boy was living such a different life to other boys. Well done, Nana. She will be pleased to see you one day in heaven. And well done to Dean. Did he become a pastor? He did not. He didn't become no, a pastor. He's been very involved in literature evangelism and things Praise like that. Praise the Lord. So he still Praise the Lord. Thing. Praise the Lord. Now, in the break, you were sharing with me, and it would be lovely to share with the listeners, um, individuals who are wondering whether, whether God will come through for them, parents, grandparents, friends who are out there on the front lines sharing, witnessing, wondering, is anything getting through? What would you like to share with them? Really just keep at it. You know, it might seem discouraging at times because it might seem like people aren't getting it. I think, for to be honest, the entirety of Nana's lifetime, she probably didn't feel that I was getting it. But at some point it sunk in, you know. So I know that it can be easy to be discouraged in situations where it feels like you're trying to share the gospel and people are just not interested or whatever. But you never know what might land eventually. So keep sharing your faith. You know, be ready to share the good news at any opportunity with anyone who you come across. Because you never know who needs to hear it. And even if they might, on face value, not accept it immediately, what might come back to them at a time of need? Mm. Certainly, my nana's faith was probably the biggest testimony for my life. And mm. what, this whole journey started because of her showing Christ to me. Mm. And, and she wasn't perfect, you know. She, she had a lot of things going on. But she really started me on that journey. Mm. And I'll be forever grateful for that. Amen. The different individuals and situations in your life that yeah. led you to, to where you are today. What about individuals that are wondering, you know, wow, God is calling me to this particular role, maybe even ministry, maybe even pastoral ministry, but yeah, there are financial hurdles. Shall I go into the deep end? Um, what would you say to them as far as, you know, is God able to provide for them as he has for you and your family? I think the Bible has a consistent narrative for how God does war, I would say. 
God always rewards faith, you know, whether it be Moses who at the burning bush, he, he argued the toss with God the whole time. You know, mm. he didn't want to, it's in Exodus 3. Um, he didn't want to do it really. And he was saying, well, I'm not good enough at speaking. I'm not good enough at X, Y, Z. But his whole life had prepared him for that moment. His time in Egypt, his time outside of Egypt, the whole thing trained him up to be the person that God needed him to be. All he had to give was his faith. And I think there's a consistent trend of that in the Bible, not only for salvation, but to actually see God's will be done. David is another example. You know, there was an army arrayed against the Philistines, mm. and all they needed was one guy to step out in faith. Mm. That's how God does war. Yeah. You know, not with massive armies and things like that, but with faith. By faith. And that's the that whole chapter in Hebrews chapter 11 is all by faith. By yeah. faith, Moses. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Correct. by faith. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on our radio program today, Brett. It really has been, and our listeners have been blessed and will continue to be blessed as we're able to listen to the podcast. If you don't have the Faith FM um, app, you need to get it on your phone or go to the website and you can listen to all the programs at a later date. I want to have a prayer for you now as you continue ministry and your, and your, um, and your family, and then we're going to sign off. Unfortunately, we're going to have to sign off because our time is up. So let's just pause and pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the way you have led and guided in Brett's life. And um, Lord, we give you all the glory. And it just helps us to realize that no one is beyond your reach. We thank you for the people that you placed in in Brett's life, from teachers to a grandmother to a friend to a community of faith, to a loving wife. Um, Father, you just have so many ways to reach those who are seeking and searching. We pray for all our listeners that you'll bless them and lead and guide them. Also be with Brett and his family as they continue this journey of ministry. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And now, folk, um, yeah, just a reminder, the South Australian Drive Time Show is continuing on. But until then... Just continue to look up because Jesus is coming soon. And God bless you. Till next time. Keep looking up. Don't give up. Don't give up. When there's pain deep in your heart. Keep looking up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Should the tears begin to start. With a prayer all your cares he will cast. Into the depths of the sea His love is always there for me Discover Hope, a seminar to help you find peace in these uncertain times, is coming to Newcastle University. Join presenter Faith FM's own Danny Melenkov for 13 presentations between July 21 and August 5 at the New Space University building on 409 Hunter Street, Newcastle, New South Wales. Lunch or light refreshments are provided for each of these amazing presentations. If you want to discover from the Bible what the future holds and what it has in store for us, Come along, call 0425-394-121 for more information. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to Thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, Blessed Trinity
saints adore thee, casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea. Cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee, who art and art and evermore shall be. Cherubim and seraphim are falling down before thee. Only thou art holy, there is none beside thee, perfect in power, in love and purity. Oh. 